0: Well, it's great to have you again here with us today, and we're going to be looking at Psalm chapter 34, what Mark read for us. We're going to be looking at the second half, verses 11 to 22. So before we go any farther today, I want you to pull out your Bible, grab the Bible in front of you. Now, uh, if you're sitting in the back, you actually have some new Bibles. We're, we're working through, we're transitioning out the uh, older NIV ones that we have here, and we're bringing in the, SI, the SIV, the <laughs> ESV. But we're doing that little by little. Uh, as we're trying to find the right one that will be there. And so in some of the back pews, you have a newer ESV that is there. And little by little, we're going to take these NIV Bibles, and we're going to be moving them to our Sunday school classrooms. And then if we end up having too many, then we're going to find a local ministry uh, that we're going to be able to give them to. And so because they're still in good shape, they'll still be able to be used. Um, But right now we are studying, for the most part, using the ESV. And so uh, we'll be able to grab that in front of you and follow along if you Uh, Don't have a Bible? If you don't have your own Bible, you are welcome to take the one that is right in front of you, and that is yours. So uh, again, we're glad that you're here today. Psalm chapter 34. Last week we looked at verses 1 through 10. We talked about praising God continually, right? And what that means. We looked at different passages in the Bible that refer to how we as believers are supposed to regularly, continually give praise to God, give thanks to God, how we're supposed to pray without ceasing, and, and things like that. We talked about how we are to taste and see God's goodness. And it was funny because actually after, after we left, uh, after church was done last week, Sarah said, you know, you started a story, but you never finished it. Did anybody else realize that? No? That's good. Sarah said, you started a story, but you never finished it. And I said, what do you mean? She said, well, you said we, we go to Florida about once a year, and then that was about all you said. And so I, I started thinking, you know what? You're right. I did start a story and not finish it. And I'm I'm known for that sometimes, right? At at our house is that I'll start a train of thought telling Sarah something, and then it just kind of, yeah, just goes away. She's like, well, what do you mean? What are you trying to say? So here's what I want to do. I want to explain what I was trying to say last week in case there's one person sitting in the congregation today that says, you know what? You started a story last week, and I have no idea what you were trying to say, and it's been bothering me all week. I haven't been able to sleep. I'm sure that's each and every one of you, right? (laughs) So what I said was last week, we talked about tasting and seeing God's goodness. What does it mean to taste and see God's goodness? Have you ever looked at that verse before and wondered, what does it mean? Well, I think one, one way that we can look at it is uh, to, to think of going out to eat at a restaurant. And what I meant to say was that usually when we're here, when we're local, we enjoy eating out at a restaurant as a family. We have our places that we like to go to. And I already know when I go to those restaurants what I'm going to order. I can tell you before I even get there. Now, Sarah might be a little bit different, right? But I already know before I get there what I'm going to order. It's kind of the same thing if I ever pull up to a drive through I already know. I don't have to think through it. I've been there. I know what I like. I know what I don't want. But we go to Florida about once a year. And we go and visit Sarah's parents. And when we go to Florida, there's almost always at least once, two times or three times, that we're going to go to a place I've never been to before. And that doesn't work as well because I don't know what's on the menu. And so I'm flipping through the 13 pages that these places have, and I'm, look, this looks really good, and this looks really good, and this looks really good, and I order it. And after I order it, it, it doesn't, without fail, I'm sitting there, and some waiter or waitress walks by with this plate for somebody else, and I look at it, and I go, man, that looks so good. I wish I would have ordered that. Has that ever happened to you before? Never happened to you before. All right, it happened to you? Good. (laughs) Happens to me when we go to new places. That's probably one of the reasons I'm not a big fan of new places as much. When we talk about tasting and seeing God's goodness, we see God's goodness, an outward experience to what God is doing, but we're not only to see it, we're to personally experience it and to taste it. So for, for that person there that was, that was thinking, you know, man, I couldn't sleep at all last week because you started that story and didn't finish it, you'll be able to sleep like a baby tonight, right? Psalm chapter 34, we're going to start in verse 11 today, verse 11, and, and here's what David says. This is a Psalm of David, and we gave some of the context to it last week, and I'll get into it here in a minute, but here's what he says, Come, O children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. And we're going to camp right there for a second. Um, last week we talked about what happened that led to the writing of this psalm, right? And so David is running away from Saul. He runs to the king of the Philistines, the king of Gath. His name is Achish. He goes to Achish, and they recognize who David is, right? And isn't, this, isn't this the guy that, that, that all those people were praising before? And David starts to become afraid, worrying for his own life, and so he, he decides to act like he's completely insane. And so he walks up to a door and just begins to scratch and, and allows drool to run down his beard to the point where Achish looks at his people and's like, why are you bringing me another crazy person? Don't I already have enough crazy people around me? Which is kind of interesting in and of itself, right? And David leaves, and he runs to a cave in Abdullam. And we're going to look at 1 Samuel 22, 1-2 real quick. This explains what happens right after David leaves the king of Achish, the king of the Philistines, the king of Gath, David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Abdullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down to him. But I want you to look right here. And everyone who was in distress, and everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to And he became commander over them, and there were with him about 400 men. Everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him, and he became commander over them, and there were about 400 men. This is who David has when he sings this song in that cave when he writes this psalm. Those who are in distress, those who are in debt, those who are bitter in soul, those who are discouraged. What a group of people that must have been. You know, as you you read through Psalm 34, David, with this tremendous attitude of praise and rejoicing towards Almighty God for where he has put him, and then look at the people that God sent to David in this cave. Probably the exact 400 people that David was hoping for. Or not. In a way, it sounds like a bunch of broken people, doesn't it? Everyone who was struggling in one way or another, that's who God brought to where David was. And David says to them, oh come children, I'm going to teach you something today. I want to teach you what the fear of the Lord is. Is David talking to little kids? No, he's talking to these 400 men who are here, who are broken in their heart, who are discouraged, who have hit the bottom in life. And he says, Listen, I, I want to teach you something. I want to teach you the fear of the Lord. Teaching is essential, it's biblical, it reminds us not to keep our testimony to ourselves. It reminds us the importance of passing down what the Lord has taught us. The Barna Research Group, if you've ever heard of them before, did a study in 2018. And they sought to find the correlation between one's faith, heritage, and practice. So how you were raised and what you currently practice and what you're living out in your life. They asked practicing Christians, and let me uh, define—this is how they define practicing Christians. They say that they are self-identified Christians who say their faith is very important in their lives and have attended a worship service within the past month. Now here's here's what Barnett came to—here's the the conclusion— That 59% of active Christians say that they're a believer because someone in their family passed down faith to them. Meaning they were raised in a Christian home, And that fundamentally changed them, molded them into who they are today. 11% of people said that their heritage played a part because their family or someone in their family was exploring Christianity at the same time that they were. So that means that 70% of practicing Christians, according to what Barna has in their research, point to their family heritage as a reason to why they are a practicing believer today. Come children, I'm going to teach you the fear of the Lord. Don't underestimate the power of your personal testimony and of teaching children at home. I realize it's a little bit different than what David is doing here, yet we must teach. And it's not just here, and it's not just in the Sunday school classes. It happens in the home. David's saying he's going to teach the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is not just some thought in someone's mind. It should lead us as believers to the way that we live our lives. It should lead us to action. And here's what he says. What man is there? Remember, he's speaking to those who are broken, who are downhearted. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Who wants to see good in life? My goodness, every hand should go up. And here's what he tells them. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. So he gives them a number of different instructions. The first one is to keep your tongue from evil. Now this seems, this is a very common uh, thread in the Bible, right? As we'll hear this idea of the importance and the power of our words. We talked about it a number of weeks ago when we looked at the book of James. James. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips for speaking deceit. And it sounds a little bit familiar to what Paul writes to the believers in Ephesus, right? When he's telling them that, listen, you guys are a new creation. And because you're a new creation in Christ, you should be different. Your words should be different. The way you speak to one another should be different. Here's what Paul says. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only such is good for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking to see. And the next thing that David says is he says, turn away from evil and do good. Now notice there's an action involved in that, right? Turn away from evil. Make a decision to turn your back on wickedness. Because the truth is that our flesh desires to do evil. A number of weeks ago, and again, the book of James, and it's really interesting how this psalm and and the way that we live our lives reminded me so much of the book of James. But, but here, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Turn away from evil, but don't just turn away from evil, do good. Turn to God. He's the only one that can help us overcome and make it through these things. There's a story uh, that I read of, um, there's a historian by the name of Shelby Foote. Let me just read you the story here. She tells of a soldier who was wounded at the Battle of Shiloh during the American Civil War and was ordered to go to the rear. The fighting was fierce, and within minutes, he returned to his commanding officer. Captain, give me a gun. This fight ain't got any rear. And you know, the truth is, in our Christian lives, the spiritual battle is all around us, and it's going on on a regular basis. We cannot choose to let our cards down. We must regularly be paying attention regularly asking God to do a work in our lives and submitting to him on a regular basis, on a daily basis, denying ourselves, denying our flesh every single day and asking God to give us the strength to turn away from evil and to do good. And then David says, seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace and pursue it. You know, we're, we're in a time in society where peace is not the most sought-after thing. And, and I'm not even talking about global warfare. I'm talking about peace in relationships between believers. We live in a, a day and age where everybody wants to share their opinion, and relationships are ruined because people are not willing to say, well, you know what, we, we view things a little bit differently and I'm going to listen to you, and we might completely disagree. I'm not going to change my mind. Instead, we live in a time where it's my way or the highway, and relationships are ruined, even within the church, on things that are not primary doctrinal issues, but instead are things that we choose to elevate. I mean, how many churches, and we know this, have chosen to split over styles of music? How many people have left churches over the ways that people have— chosen to address that specific issue even. Seek peace and pursue it. As I was working through this list, I thought to myself, I wonder how many church splits would be completely avoided if the believers that existed within that church said, you know what? I'm going to keep my tongue from evil and my lips from deceit. I'm going to turn away from evil. I'm going to do good. And I'm going to seek peace and pursue it in my life. I wonder, what do you think that would look like? What do you think that would look like? We can't force peace in a relationship with other people, but we can pursue it. Romans 12, 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Look at that one more time. As far as it depends on you, do your part. Pursue it. And that's all you can do. So we talk about the fear of the Lord, and, and, and David looks at this group of men who are there, these men who are discouraged, who are beaten down, who are frustrated. They almost, I, I almost think of them as, as the island of, of a misfit toys, right? And then he tells them about the fear of God. Why does he tell them about the fear of God? Because the fear of the Lord changes your life. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. It's a tremendous reminder that following God is truly what's best. It's not always easiest, but it's what's best. What peace we can have as believers, what confidence we can have in believers, and knowing that it's our God who truly holds all things. We don't have to live in fear, we don't have to live in anxiety. We don't have to live in states of worry, but we can live in states of confidence. Knowing our God is in control. David then gives a distinction here that we're going to look at between the righteous and and the wicked. And here's, here's what he said. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears them. And delivers them out of all of their troubles. There's another story uh, I want to read to you today. It's about a, a missionary by the name of John Patton. John Patton was a missionary in the New Hebrid Islands. One night, hostile natives surrounded the mission station, intent on burning out the Pattons and killing them. Patton and his wife prayed during that terror filled night that God would deliver them. When daylight came, they were amazed to see their attackers leave. A year later, the chief of the tribe was converted to Christ. Remembering what had happened, Patton asked the chief what had kept him from burning down the house and killing them. The chief replied in surprise, Who were all those men with you there? Patton knew no men were present, but the chief said he was afraid to attack because he had seen hundreds of big men in shining garments with drawn swords circling the mission station. Last week I I shared a quote with you which said that God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. You remember who said that? Hudson Taylor. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. And that includes God's provision, protection, God's deliverance in the life of the believer. David is not saying in any of this that those who choose to follow God those who make a decision to put God in their, those who are righteous, those who are saved, that the believers, you're not going to live a life, he's not saying you're not going to live a life without trouble. Right? We know that. There's tremendous difficulty in the Christian life. If I told you otherwise, I'd be lying to you today. Yet, yet, he reminds those that he is speaking to that the Lord is the one that delivers you out of your trouble. See, there'd be no reason to cry for help if you weren't in trouble. But when the righteous cry, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all of their troubles. So as believers, we can be assured that God's listening, even in the most painful, the most difficult, the most frustrating circumstances. We hold fast, knowing that our God is listening, our God is present. You know, at at times when we we pray, and I I think sometimes our our prayers aren't very theological, right? And we'll say, Lord, please be with this person. Well, God is with that person, right? God is everywhere. God is with that person. Yet what we're trying to communicate, I believe, is that, Lord, make your presence known to this individual here. The believer can be assured that they never walk alone that God's working and God is moving even in the most painful and the most challenging of circumstances. We're assured of His presence with us. And, and it leads us right into this next verse, which says, the Lord is near to the broken heart and saves the crushed in spirit. Man, that's one of the verses that you hold on to as you're going through some of the most painful and challenging situations of your life. It hurts. I feel alone. I don't know what's going on here. Yet, yet I know, I know, God, that your word tells me that you're here, that you're with me. See, he reminds the broken men who are with him of God's presence. He reminds them that the Lord is near, no matter the struggles that they're going through in their lives. And then he says this, many are the afflictions of the righteous but the Lord delivers him out of them all. And he starts with this one word. Look, many are the afflictions. Many are the challenges. Many are the difficulties. Many are the painful things that come in life, right? He's, He's not saying you follow God. Everything's rosy and everything's easy. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, listen, many are the afflictions of those who are righteous. Many. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. He is the deliverer. Verse 20 says, He keeps all his bones and not one of them is broken. And this is actually pointing us to the New Testament and was fulfilled in the book of John. John 19, 36. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled that not one of his bones was broken. And now we're going to come to the end of verse 34, chapter 34. And we're going to spend a couple of minutes here. Because what David does is he gives us two different eternal destinations. Two different eternal judgments that come. Affliction will slay the wicked. And those who hate the righteous, we're talking about the wicked. Affliction will slay the wicked. Those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The wicked will be condemned. But the Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. And one of the main themes that we see throughout this psalm is the theme of redemption. Is the theme of deliverance. David was in a a crazy place, right? No pun intended. He was in a crazy place. And he decides to to make himself look even crazier, to try and escape. And he gets out, and he does all of these things. And you look at that, and you can say, wow, what creativity you had, David. Who in the world would have thought to drool over themselves and scratch the door to make themselves look insane? Who thinks of that kind of stuff? And what does David say through all of this? God God delivered me. God delivered me. God delivered me. God delivered me right he's my deliverer he is the one that that delivers us out of our afflictions out of our difficulties for the believer we recognize today that Christ died and set us free from sin John five twenty four. truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come in the judgment, but has passed from death to life. And because of what Christ did on Calvary's cross, not because of what I did, because of what Christ did, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. And we hold to that. And we rest in that, because the Bible says that, that those, the Lord redeems the life of his servants, none who take refuge in him will be condemned. What similarities between verse 22 and Romans 8.1? There's no condemnation for those who have found themselves, for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's the Lord who is our salvation. He paid our penalty on Calvary's cross. Jesus took my sin on his shoulders. He took your sins on his shoulders. He is the perfect lamb, the perfect one. And because of what he did, we hold to Romans 8.1 and are assured that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No matter what the afflictions, no matter what the difficulties, nothing's going to take me away from the love of Jesus no matter what the challenges no matter how hard something might hurt no matter how lonely i might feel nothing is going to pull me away from my jesus but not because of me because of him last week we looked at verse 5 we're going to end with this verse today those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed Let me encourage you in this. There are times in life where you can find yourself in places of extreme discouragement, of difficulty, and of pain. Remember that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but it's the Lord who is our deliverer. The Lord who brings us out. And, and, you know, we we don't always understand why God allows things to happen. And I'd be lying to you today if I said that I understood every reason of why God allowed things to happen, because I don't. But what I do know is that God's working things according to his plan, according to his purpose, that God has what's best in store to fulfill his plan, right? It might not be what's best by my limited view and my limited understanding, but it truly is what's best because I'm limited and he's not. But what, what I can assure you of today and what I hope you hold on to today is that we know how the story ends. We know how the story ends. And those who look to him shall never be ashamed. Hold on to that, brothers and sisters. In the darkness that exists in this world, make sure your faith is built Upon the rock that doesn't move. The one who is constant, who never changes. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for who you are. For your love for us. We thank you for salvation. Lord, we've done nothing to earn it. Nothing to begin to deserve it. For the Bible tells us that our hearts are wicked. Yet God, you saved us. And we praise you for that. Father, I pray for the person in our body today who is going through challenges and afflictions. And the truth is, Lord, we walk through them different days at different times. Encourage them with your word. Lord, may we live confidently knowing that our God is always with us, that our God always hears us that our God is the deliverer, that the afflictions that we face in this life, you are the one who will bring us out. Father, help us to live in the fear of the Lord. Help us to teach your word to those around us, to communicate the truths of who you are. Give us confidence and boldness to speak that you would be exalted and glorified. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's close with a song. If you'll stand and join us.